Some news on the uh, Sequoia complex fire coming out. So yeah, it has been still a little hazy here and there uh, in the streets of Portugal. You know, the air quality is getting better, obviously, as the fire gets more contained. Right now, we are at a 71% containment, which is pretty, pretty great. Um, firefighters have had a productive couple of weeks dialing that back. Uh, last week, it was 61% day, and this week, it jumped up to 71 so it is getting back, uh, you know, coming back around here and all good. Uh, they were hoping that October 10th uh, they would have it completely contained, but unfortunately that's not the case. There are still about 860 firefighters um, you know, that right now to uh, put out the fire. Uh, luckily, though, there have been no fatalities from any of the first responders or civilians. Uh, only 15 first responders got in injured. So, uh, you know, only small injuries, nothing life-threatening that I could find. Um, the fire is still burning, though, uh, for 100,000 acres. It's already destroyed 173 structures up there and uh, damaged 12 more. Mm -hmm. um, they aren't sure if they're or not. Despite that, the Sequoia National Park has been reopened. It's no longer a risk. And uh, residents of that Elf Fork area are being told that the evacuation orders have been lifted by the sheriff. They can go back to their home now. And uh, again, while it wasn't met for the containment on October 10th, we are at a very good trajectory right now. And it's looking like they're going to be able to put that fire out really soon. So, yeah, that's, that's the best. It's crazy how these, how these fires happen. Definitely can uh, catch us off guard at times, but we definitely are yeah. firefighters for sure. I was gonna say, like, it's just crazy how how one little you know spark can start a fire and it can just damage a whole lot of thing, you know, a whole lot of space. You know, it's it's pretty crazy how how quickly it spreads. So, you know, I'm happy for the firefighters that that are able to contain it. I'm glad there's no fatalities and only minor injuries. That's a blessing. Yeah, definitely. And we, we had firefighters from all across the state come. Uh, there were uh, people, you know, out by the fairgrounds were actually being housed. So it's been a pretty intense, uh, intense thing. Um, a lot of people have actually been going to watch by the uh, the airport right now. They have these huge, you know, uh, helicopter uh, fire planes and stuff like that. So it's been cool. A lot of people are taking their kids out there. It's, it's pretty neat, you know. It's, you know but, uh, yeah, again, it's oh, just like cool. finally getting to the wire here. So that's, that's great. Uh, 
Yeah, it's been a bad one, but, you know, we are coming on the other side of this Porterville, so hang tight, and uh, hopefully that air quality will get better for you pretty soon. Uh, district, oh, man, District 3, just jumping right in there. Next up for the local section here, we are talking election. Uh, we've got a big one coming up president side, but remember, folks, those local elections are just as important. Those determine, you know, how your how many local businesses you're going to have, what where are we going to have new businesses coming in? Are we going to revitalize Main Street? What are we doing? Uh, are we taxing cannabis? Are we going on? Now, these guys are running. Um, and I went ahead and got all the info for all the districts that are up. So we'll start with District 1 and 2. Now, these are not up for election this year, so they'll be coming in the next cycle in four years. They'll be up. But in District 3, we do have a contest. Uh, current mayor... Martha Flores is being challenged by Michael A. Smith. Smith is a local businessman that says he wants to bring the small town soul back to downtown Porterville. Now, um, Smith is running on what he calls what does what does he mean? What does he mean by small town soul? Well, I think it, 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 I'm guessing Michael Michael Smith is a is a, is, a, is a Caucasian, right? What does he mean by small town soul? That's true. You you'd be correct in your assumption there. <laughs> well, kind of, oh, but what does he mean by that? What does that mean? <laughs> I think that what I gathered anyway, his small town soul that he's referring to is uh, maybe that hallmarky feel that you get. You know, all your neighbors, you know, uh, there's community events happening downtown. There's uh, mom and pop shops, not as many uh, big businesses, but also little tiny places where you can get a burger or candy or whatever the case may be. That's kind of what he's going for, that revitalized downtown. Um, so he basically wants, he wants basically more small town businesses and he wants more events going on downtown. Basically yeah. kind of like a Hallmark, kind of like a Hallmark movie. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So getting Main Street going again. Probably, I'm assuming okay. what, the Porterville that he grew up in was probably closer to that where they did more events. They were kind of a close knit community. You know, as the population increases, that's one of the sacrifices is maybe you don't know as many of your neighbors, that kind of thing just, you know, happens. As that. Okay. Um, so he's wanting to kind of get closer knit, I guess. That's what he's so, running. So, so, basically, so basically make Portable great again is what he's trying to run on. There's actually a candidate running on that. We'll get to that. But, um, oh. but yeah. anyway, anyway, okay, so we got Mike Smith. We've got uh, Martha Flores, who's currently in there right now. Uh, Martha has been successful in the field of businesses. She's running around businesses in town. Uh, I think one was a fashion uh, place or something on uh, Main Street. You can still see that over by uh, Bank of Sierra. There's also, um, you know, she was for her on the hospital board for years. She was on the board. Uh, she ran in 2016 for city council, uh, got it, and now she was appointed to be the mayor in this last term, uh, which would have been... Um, a two-year term, I believe. Uh, so she's been mayor for a couple of years now. And, you know, that's that's pretty much she's running on on her. She thinks she's been successful so far. Let's let's see where it's going. So that's what we got. Yeah, why, why why change it? You know, she's, she's doing good and she feels like she's doing a great job. Yeah. Why change, you know? I got you. Yeah, yeah that's what she's saying. Um, so then moving on to District 4, we're actually not going to have a contest this year, not because it's not up, but because nobody ran. So uh, current councilman, uh, Monty Reyes, who's been on the show before, Monty, good guy, we talked to him, he will be appointed to his seat uh, in lieu of election. Uh, he was actually appointed in August. There's a time frame when you have to 
sign your papers through the state, you know, the city court, get all that. Nobody signed up. Nobody. So he's just running unopposed, and they give it to you. Nice. Nice. So this will be the second time that he's actually served where he's not had to get voted in. Um, back in the day when council member Pete McCracken, he passed away in office, Monty was the one selected to fill his seat. And then in 2016, and then 2020, not having to run this year. So, you know, he's had some luck in that respect of just being able to serve on the council. Uh, Reyes has been very involved with uh, local businesses, getting them off the ground. He serves on the Chamber of Commerce as well. And he has held seats as a council member in Tulare County um, economic boards on the county level. So he is sort of working on that as well. He will serve another um, four-year term, and he will be again in 2024 if anybody decides to challenge him. Um, finally, District 5, and this is going to be the more hotly contested one. We're going to have to go into a little bit of background right on this one. So this was the seat that was originally held by Vice Mayor Brian Ward. So Brian Ward, he gets a fan job in Bakersfield. He, he moves and ends up having to fork the seat because he can't live in Bakersfield and serve in Portugal, right? So he, had, he gave up the seat. Now, there were a few people that tried to be appointed to that seat. There are three people, actually. And they ended up going with the former mayor, Virginia Garola, uh, who's been in politics for a very long time, also somewhat of a controversial figure um, from back in the day. And, you know, she will, despite rumors, she's not going to be seeking re-election or, you know, to be elected to that uh, seat. Instead, three individuals are competing. So it's anybody's game. It's, it is anybody's game in a sense, yeah. Um, now, now, two of these people that are running, they were also asked or tried to be appointed to the board um, to be appointed to city council for that seat. Now, that's Jerry Hall and Josh uh, Joshua Salir. Now, they both asked to be appointed. Virginia was chosen instead, and they decided to run. Now, Jerry Hall is a uh, Vietnam veteran. He's actually a family friend of mine. I, I got to you know, throw that out. Oh, okay. I, okay. He, he, he uh, played in my wedding. He, he's in a country band, and uh, they're, they go way back with my family, and so they played in my wedding. Cool. Um, now, he's a, CHP, a retired CHP officer, rather. He uh, fought in the Vietnam War back in the day, and he is known now for his role as the front man, again, of Trick Shot, which is what they're called as local and this is where it gets exciting, Ogan, because this is the guy. He is running on a platform of what he calls Make Porterville Great Again. So he, he's going out there. Of course. Now, despite of course. that, though, despite that, what, what Hall had to say is that he believes that uh, revitalizing downtown is important. So he's going off of that sort of with Smith. And they've ran together since they've done a lot of events together. But he, he also says that he is committed to bipartisanship. So even though he's running on kind of a partisan uh, saying, I guess, right now, he, he believes that Porterville mm -hmm. is be partisan, and he, he argues that what's going on right now is politics, party politics, in City Hall. And so he wants to kind of get that out and bring it back to what he believes local politics should be. And now Hall was also, again, one of the individuals who tried to be appointed to the seat for the district, but was not selected. And he's been around for a long time. He also has his hand in the ag trade. He's done a lot of ag jobs, not only uh, on the business side, but even now to stay in shape. Um, 
which is a very big keto guy. He's always trying to stay in shape. His son's actually a bodybuilder. Ken, pretty cool guy too. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, okay. but he actually works um, field jobs. So he does ag jobs for the state where he'll go out and measure trees. And then, you know, basically what they do is kind of see how much fruit is on the tree. And that number, there's a magic equation that the state produces that's going to say, okay, this area is probably going to produce this much of um, this crop this year. So just to stay in shape, he does that still. I mean, and this guy is, you know, getting up there too. He's in Vietnam. That's good. Yeah, I mean, no, he's a very cool guy. Um, then not only that, we have Joshua Solier running, and he's a longtime resident of Porterville as well. He says he knows exactly what it feels like to be uh, in a position where you're represented by those that don't you don't feel truly represent you. Solier understands that the situation of many working people in Porterville is bleak and that a lot of us have to live paycheck to paycheck and may have had to put our dreams on hold just to get by. He's committed to bringing more businesses to this town and he thinks he can be an effective representation for all of Porterville because he's lived in tough spots. Uh, he believes, you know, he, he knows what a lot of people in the town are experiencing and he knows how to answer to that. Um, then last but not least, we have uh, Kelly Carrillo, and she is also running for the same position, so three people. She was the former, she is currently actually the director of the Owens Valley Career Development Center in Porterville, and that's an area where people, you know, that if they don't have jobs or have trouble finding jobs, might have barriers to employment, these are areas that kind of help them get employed and, uh, you know, bring these people into the workforce. Before that, she was the deputy trial administrator, tribal administrator to the Thule River Tribal Council. So she has served on these types of boards in the past. And she, so she has so she has experience, you know, serving on different yeah. boards. Yeah, doing, like that. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, so she's got that in her corner. Uh, she is also a graduate of Cal State Bakersfield and believes in the importance of education and the impact that can have on a small town. She believes elected she has the experience necessary to fight for the community. And, you know, with that resume, I mean, doesn't seem like she's... That's a, that's a pretty good resume. Woo-hoo! Hall, <laughs> Hall and Salir better watch out because that's an impressive resume. She got my vote. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, that's, that's interesting. So, so, I mean, those are all the candidates we have right now running for city council, folks. And... Uh, they all sound like very good candidates. They all sound like they really want to help Porterville make a change to Porterville, bring businesses back, which I, which pretty much I feel like all of them want to do. They want to have more events, which I feel like all of them want to do. So I feel like it would. I mean, any candidate. I mean, they all they all seem like they have a pretty good uh, message of what they want to do. And there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with you know wanting to bring businesses back, get more jobs for people, and have more events in Porterville. You know, be proud of you know you know being here, you know, and, and living here. So. Yeah, sure. It's pretty good. I will say that it's kind of unfortunate. I was just thinking about this. It doesn't seem like local candidates here really get into how they're going to do all these things, like the platform. And, you know, that's that's something that goes back. I mean, when I was wearing, I remember they say, don't make a lot of promises. You know, don't tell people what you're going to do. Tell people what you'd like to do. Uh, don't tell people the specifics. And, that you know, that's it's sad, but that's how they tell you to run. Because, you know, they don't, you know, how much can you really accomplish, I guess, is what they're getting at. And, and, when, and when you were talking about that, and uh, I think it was the first one you said businesses and others, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, how many are actually really going to do that? You know what I mean? Like, how, how viable is it to actually really get that done? You know what I mean? 
Well, I mean, yeah, it's tough. I think that a lot has to do with Porterville being a small town with not a lot of, um, you know, huge uh, economic growth here specifically. It's hard to get businesses to come. Now, we do have the luxury of being a population that's rising. So we do get a lot of the fast food places. We'll get a lot of the Walmarts coming in every now and then thinking about maybe putting in a super center or not, you know. So we do have that, but we don't have a lot of other, you know, opportunities. A lot of our small businesses closed up. Ogans is in space, folks. A lot of people, <laughs> of course, anyway, a lot of well, I, have to tra- I have to travel right now, so that's why I got to, but continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. No. Um, where was I like that? No, I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where being in a small town like Porterville, you only have a limited amount of opportunity a lot of that has to do with the budget so we'll get into later maybe some ways that we could solve those budget problems who knows and ogans just bounced vanished into space that was crazy no i'm here i'm here here you know that was our local stuff today all these candidates all their information is available on facebook now again i just specifically went off of the list from city hall of candidates that have qualified to run for this election and, uh, yeah, if there's anybody hoping to get their write-in ballot, you know, maybe if, if you're out there, let us know. We'll cover you as well very seriously. But uh, now we're going to shift gears a little bit here. We're going to talk about some actual fun stuff. We've got Leonel Hoven on the show. Leo is behind the Blue 52 podcast. Uh, he also was my uh, co- Blue 52, hot, hot. He was my co-anchor back in the day when K-Tip was still a thing and we were still doing the radio station. Uh, good stuff covering the football games. You know, that was that was fun because I didn't know that much about the technical stuff of football. And so I would just get my little comments and then Leo would actually know what he was talking about. So that was pretty great. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he would know exactly what he was talking about. No, exactly. I feel like I learned a lot. I probably forgot most of it, but I I feel Leo like knew all the plays. He was oh, watch out for this guy. He's going right now. And you know, it's just he knows the game really well. So we're fortunate tonight to have Leo to talk about sports. And uh, man, where 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 should we kick it off, Leo? What what you got for us? Oh well, first of all, I just want to say thank you guys for having me. It's it's always fun to uh, be a part of your guys' show, or actually just to link up in general. You guys are really fun to be around. Um, we need to do lo- we need to do lunch soon. Just throwing that out there. We do, we do, we definitely do. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to pick a spot. Right? Really, um, twenty twenty has been pretty interesting to say the least uh, in regards to the way that it's. Well, we, I mean, yeah, yeah. In in regards to the way that it's affected sports, um, you know. Basketball got put off for a while, and then, you know, baseball got kicked back quite a while as well. I think the only uninterrupted thing that we really saw was football, but that's – you can't really say that either because we lost preseason. So these guys and, just uh, jumped straight. And UFC. And UFC as well. Yeah, UFC, yeah, yeah. UFC. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, UFC as well. You know, I'm pretty sure there's other sports that have been affected by it as well. Um, you know, just kind of starting from the top, I guess, you know, just – the way that everything had wrapped up just recently, you know, uh, basketball just finished. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers won their 17th championship. Uh, yeah. I happened to be a Lakers fan, so I'm really excited about that. But I, Clippers, Clippers. Yeah. Clippers. You, you you say Clippers, but you guys didn't show up. Where were you guys? Hey, 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 hey! This is what happened. 
I'll tell you what happened. You know, with low bubble, that's cute. That's cute. But next year, Clippers are coming. What happened was, was the Clippers had a lot of injuries. We had a lot of people that were missing their families. Uh, playoff P was going through depression. And so that's what happened. So next next year, it's going to be a different I, story. I think what happened it, you is, know, like, you know, it's great. You didn't have that Mamba mentality. That's what happened. Shut <laughs> It's a mind frame. Gotta be. It's, it's actually great that Ogan said that in regards to uh, players missing, you know, their families, you know, them spending over 100 days inside of that bubble. You know, we can talk about, you know, you, you mentioned in the Taylor Austin, you know, how, how I think about, you know, baseball's asterisk season. Actually, for, for basketball, for baseball, for, for these sports that are actually competing right now, I don't consider anything a fake championship or an asterisk. I actually look at it being more difficult. These guys are away from their families. They're in a neutral site. There's no home court advantage. There's no fans with the exception of, you know, the televised, you know, that they had inside of the, the, uh, the arena. That's difficult. You know, like, you know, he was saying players were going through the depression. I know LeBron had enough of it. You know, Anthony Davis had enough of it. I'm pretty sure all of the players were just done with going to the game, going to the hotel, going to the game, going to the hotel. So I think, honestly, it, it's a difficult championship. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you, I think the only one that was really, really dedicated and didn't care about seeing his family was LeBron. LeBron wanted that fourth ring. LeBron was ready. <laughs> You're going to say LeBron, that I did not miss his family? <laughs> he probably didn't. He, he don't care about the he, he knew. He knew. You know why? Because he knew he had to get... Cause, cause he knew he had, he knew he had to get that ring. He knew he had to get a fourth. He knew, fourth. He knew he had to get a fourth ring. He knew he did. So he was the only one I thought think was locked in. Well, him and Anthony, but I think he was, I think he was determined to get that fourth ring, and he was locked yeah. in. He probably okay. missed his family a little bit, but. Eh. See, okay, so that's that that that's another thing to bring up. Family, some, family ain't gonna that, get you a fourth ring. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> is that is that something that you hold against him though, or is that something you praise him for? For the ability to lock down and really hone in his craft and bring oh. him a championship. Oh, as much as I hate the Lakers and can't stand LeBron, I applaud him for locking it down and saying, I'm going to go get my fourth ring. That's one thing I will say, hey, that was dope. He did his thing. He did what he had to do. I will not knock the man for that, even though I still think it's a, it's an asterisk. But it's okay. You know, it is what it is. Okay, so if the Clippers would have won, how, was it, would it still be an asterisk? So Somebody asked me that. Somebody asked me that. My boy asked me that. He said if the Clippers would have won, and I said I would not have felt good about them winning. I would have been excited, but I wouldn't have felt good. Their first championship being in the bubble and all that, I wouldn't have felt good. That's just my opinion. See, it would have been different. I, I, still, I still think that, you know, you can look at it that way, right? Like, oh, it's a bubble. You know, it's different. But I think that if you guys were able to walk away from it, you know, regardless, whoever won, whoever won, I think it would be absolutely – a, a, a feat, an accomplished feat, a mental obstacle on top of the physicality that they have to go through. I think it's, I think it's a valid championship, period. If the Clippers would have won, it's a valid championship. If the Heat would have won and Jimmy Buckets would have got a championship, it would have been a legit championship, period. I mean, it's a legit championship, but I'm still, we still got to put that No, you, you ain't putting that on my set. Seventeen. You can go take your ass and sit down. No, no. Boston Celtics got seventeen. Y'all got sixteen and a half. No, you ain't taking that for. So they're just gonna give us the top part of the Larry O'Brien, but take the bucket. Yeah. Pretty much. Nah, <laughs> no. We deserve. Yeah, I think I, I can't hear him. I think his audio, his audio cut out. 
It's because even Zoom doesn't want to hear him right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's figuring it out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, while he gets that figured out, um, did you – I get you know, I guess moving on from basketball, you know, obviously uh, LeBron got his fourth. Uh, Lakers got 17. Uh, it was kind of weird to watch. It was – I mean that that whole that whole watching them in the bubble as a fan was really weird because you just it, it's quiet. You hear the bickering, you hear the arguing, you hear the the players complaining to the refs, and you hear the communication between the players and the other team. And you know it's it's interesting from a fan perspective because you're like, holy crap! You know these guys talk crap to each other. They're really fighting for uh, the decision that the ref probably said that didn't go in their favor. Really interesting, but um, it, it's that little bit of that pop of the crowd that. Yeah, it kind of takes away. It takes away a lot, honestly, uh, as a fan. You got? Are you? Are you? I, I got disconnected from the audio. Are you guys talking about? Is, is is Austin asking about the home crowd and how much it affects? Is that what he's asking? About? No, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't ask that. I was bringing that up. If you want to chime in on it. Oh, oh, um, yeah. Uh, being being home and being in the home crowd, it has a lot to do with uh, shit. It has a lot to do with uh, uh, what uh, when it comes to like uh. What were we talking about? Hold on. We, well, that's see that that's that's interesting too. I I mean, even watching baseball, you kind of uh, run into that as well. Get it, daddy, and you and it pumps you up. You're like, let's go. You know what I mean? That's what it, it's like. That it's like that. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so eloquently put, yes, yeah. I'm just saying, I, I think, but you know what I mean. Like it just gives you that that extra motivation of like, yeah, the home crowd's behind me. I can't, I can't go wrong. And you start hitting your shots. You start playing tougher defense, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's uh it's um it's definitely a motivating factor when you know you hit that three pointer and then that the opposing coach hears the roar of the crowd. And he's like, damn it, I gotta yep. take a time. I gotta take a time out. Be mentally defeated. Yep, that's it. That's exactly it. And they and they have to waste their timeouts sometimes too. And that can that can also play a factor as timeouts. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. I think it affects basketball, uh, especially football when you got a home field uh, advantage and you know you've got a loud place like probably Seattle, and you got the opposing team trying to go and run their offense, and you know quarterbacks trying to yell the play. Um, and that crowd is just so loud that they're like timeout. We got to get on the same page. This. Nobody can hear what I'm saying. You know, yep, it's, yep. it's the same It's the same thing in basketball. I'm assuming, you know, somebody's probably yelling 4-4 four, four, to run a certain play. And people aren't hearing, and then they run into a different defense or a different offense, and they're like, oh, crap, you know, timeout. we we got to fix this. Uh, we're going to completely jack ourselves up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I, I, I think uh, the crowd not only affects it, but I think even visually watching it on TV as a fan um, – you know, you don't hear that pop, that, oh, yeah, you know, because you're jumping up for excited, um, like somebody just hit a three or somebody scored a touchdown. You're, you're amped up, but it's completely quiet on, on the TV, and you hear the announcers like, oh, well, you know, Tyreek Hill just ran in for six, you know, all calm, nonchalant. It's like, mm, there's no energy. There's no energy. Yeah, when Mike Bring, when he says it's bang, you know, it's, it's, it's a different – when there's no crowd, it's a little, it hits a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they hit a three yeah. and he goes, bang, it's no crowd just makes it kind of, eh. it's, it's just different with the crowd. It's different. Yeah, absolutely. I, what I like to take it back, you know, I was having a, fr a conversation with my friend and uh, one of the things that I was saying, like uh, it's important about the broadcast as well, is that that year that Marshawn Lynch uh, with the Seahawks 
they played the Saints in the playoffs and Marshawn Lynch ran in for a touchdown. And because the crowd went so loud, they caused an earthquake. Well, you can hear the announcers having to speak louder, having to yell practically into the mic because the crowd is like a man watching it. You know, yep. if I can't be there live, yep. um, it's kind of like, ah, there's a three-pointer. Yep. You know, it's not as, uh, it's not as, um, it's not as fun. It's not as fun. Uh, but, you know, just ball there, you know, we can also talk about um, baseball. Baseball, uh, ooh, man. Uh, let's just say the Dodgers today, um, they forced a game seven, and right now Tampa Bay is playing uh, the Houston Astros in a game seven. Uh, which is crazy because both, both, te- both Braves and the, uh, and the Rays were up 3-1. Both yeah. you know, were up 3-1, and, and both uh, the, the Astros and the Dodgers came back to, to uh, tie, even up the series, which is going to yeah. be interesting because I want them Astros, baby. I want them Astros. Yeah. They stole yeah. a championship with their cheating asses. Yeah, <laughs> I, I completely agree. Um, honestly, when, when when I was doing uh, predictions, I was predicting, uh, obviously, I'm not going to go against the Dodgers. So I said Dodgers, but I was also uh, anticipating the, the Rays, not just because I don't want the Astros, but I think the Rays pitching was really good. Tyler, yeah, Gass I was going to say the Rays, the Rays got a really, they got, they have really good pitching. I do know yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. They're really good. But again, I mean. Uh, it's, it's really hard to say it, but, you know, the Houston Astros have a good fundamental core, like, in regards to playing baseball, as long as they're not cheating. You know, Carlos Correa is no joke. Jose Altuve is a good baseball player when he's not making errors. You know, and as hard as it is for me to admit that, you know, because they cheated in 17, and, yes, it's I mean, been proven, but, yes, you know, it's, yes. it, it, it's just – it is what it is. That That's just a good baseball team playing another good you baseball team and maybe – them cheating though is because I man Correa and there's one other one I can't think of his name but they're really good baseball players man like they're re- like they're really good and the yes. fact that they cheated to win it really takes away because they're really good like I like those players but they cheated you know what I mean I guess he's gonna be tainted you yeah. know what I mean yeah absolutely just, I mean it, it just I, sucks because especially Altuve Altuve is a beast but you know what I mean but you know I, now they're I gonna think- be tainted forever yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, the, it, it, like I said, it's hard for me as a fan because, you know, again, uh, you know, we were robbed in 17 is just the way that I feel. And, you know, just to move past yep. that, you know, these guys are good baseball players. Yuri Gurriel is, is a good baseball player. Carlos yeah, Correa, that's what I was Jose Gurriel, Alcide, Gurriel. Bregman, they're Gurriel, all I couldn't think of his name. Players. Yes. Yeah, they're all yes, they players. are. Um, you know, and they – if you look at it from a non-Dodger fan perspective, they were trying to do something to get an edge which everybody does. Everybody's trying to read signs. Everybody's trying to read what the pitcher's doing. Everybody's trying to read each other. And If you ain't cheating, head. you ain't trying. Yeah, the Bill Belichick mentality, right? Yep, yep, yep. Deflate gate. You know, can we keep going? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's going to be a good series. Uh, they're playing right now. If I'm mistaken, the, the Rays were actually up 3-0. to zero. Um, So I really hope the Rays take it away. That way they win. Um, what's the, what's, Dodgers what's the, uh, what's the score now? What's the score? The score, yeah, the score right now is is three zero for the Rays, and they're going into the top of the fifth. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so that that's how that's going. Dodgers walked away today with the win, three to one. Like I said, forcing Game Seven, so that'll be tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, and then the World Series after that. Hopefully, fingers crossed, right? Uh, but baseball's been an interesting thing as well. You know, we were getting ready to start. Uh, spring training was going. All the players were getting set. Um, 
And then, again, the COVID-19 thing hit. Um, so on March 12th, uh, the remainder of spring training was actually canceled. That's when 16th, uh, the season was put on hold indefinitely. Um, and it was uh, – when I was doing research for this, Austin, when you had said that, you know, you guys wanted to bring me on, it, it was the first week since September 11th, uh, since the terrorist attacks on September 11th yeah. in, yeah. in 2001. Uh, so then fast forward a little bit, you know, March 16th happens, and then uh, the season was announced that it was going to begin on July 23rd. Um, so July 1st, spring training actually happened, and they rebranded it as summer camp. And they only played like 60 games or something like that, right, for the season? Yeah, right. correct. So when they when they announced that the season was going to start, the normal length of a baseball season is 162, 162. games. Correct. Yeah. So now we're only playing 60. Uh, that's that's crazy. It, it's insane. Again, Austin, you know, to answer your question, when you talked about uh, when we sent the message and we set all this up, you know, is it going to be like an asterisk season? I really don't think so. Um, and the reason why I think that is because 162 games is a long time for a player to get into a groove. Uh, 162 games is a long time for a player to figure out, like, okay, this is how I'm going to play my division opponents because this is how they're playing us. This is how I'm going to play interleague. This is how I'm going to play the American League because this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a long time to get into a group. Sometimes a baseball player can come into the season with a little slump. You know, they can feel out of groove from spring training. So maybe 20, 30 games, the next thing you know, their swing gets dialed in. You know, their glove work just in, in the infield starts – to be a little bit more smooth, a little bit more fluid. So for a baseball player to come in with the mentality of like, okay, I have all this time to perfect my craft. You know, I had spring training to get me warmed up, but now I have time to perfect my craft. Now you just took two-thirds of, uh, of that away, and you only have 60 games. The 60 games and, and the people running right now in the playoffs, which is narrowed down to four teams. I don't care who ended up winning this season. I, as much as I want the Dodgers to win, I don't care who ended up winning this season. They, they get a big anybody who wins because for you to do that in 60 games and to qualify for a playoff, which, again, is kind of weird because they expanded the playoffs. 16 teams can qualify. Yep. So now you yep. – teams because the Dodgers finished first – you know, in the in the National League. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. No hold on, hold on. They, wait, hold on. Hold on. They played they put sixteen teams in the in the in the playoffs? Correct. Oh, you mean eight and eight? You mean eight and eight on each side? Uh, that's right. Okay, okay, okay. They they did. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So it was uh it was a little funky, you know, to see that because now you have extra teams going into the playoffs that normally probably wouldn't make it. You when have escaped into the playoffs, which normally wouldn't be there. The and Cincinnati probably, Reds! Ooh. Yeah, right, Ooh, exactly. They, they have been relevant since, what, the 80s, 70s? <laughs> yeah, so you, you would exactly think that was, like, broad having really good games, and it was like, holy crap, these guys ain't these, these guys ain't jokes right now. Like, these guys are mm -hmm. probably going in with a lot of momentum into the playoffs. So, mm -hmm. now you start riding that wave, so it's, it's, it's a big thing, but Unfortunately, and then uh, on the side of it, you got the Chicago White Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays, who just escaped into the American League at at seven and eight, right? So now it's like, holy crap, you know. And then 
not only that, the, the really big thing as a baseball fan uh, or as a sports fan in general, you want your team to have the home field advantage. You want your team to be able to be in front of its crowd. card in the first round would be played at the home team stadium but after that everything moved to neutral sites so the Dodgers have been making this playoff run or you know everybody in the playoffs have been making this playoff run but they're playing at neutral so you've got Globe Life you've got Minute Maid Park which is the Houston Astros and Globe Life is the new Texas Rangers Stadium and then you have Petco and Dodger Stadium uh, so then me as a fan I'm like okay they're using these neutral sites They could be cool. No. The American League, which is the league opposite of the league that the Dodgers play in, uh, they use Petco Park and Dodger Stadium. So there would be chances that other teams can be playing in different stadiums. So the Dodgers are playing in Globe Life. So but they're, in, in but they're not playing. You completely took that away from the team. It's almost like a – it's not neutral. It's uh, almost a home field advantage. It's, for it's home field. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, vice versa for other teams as well. You know, if one park is closer to the other team and that other team plays on the other side of the, the country, now it's almost like a, ho a home field advantage to that other team because more exactly. fans are going to go. And yep. that's another thing. Uh, I'm, I'm going so fast. There's just so much to cover. For the LCS and the ALCS with the championship series for the National League and the American League, MLB actually started to allow baseball fans to attend, mm, as well okay. as the World Series. There will be fans for the World Series as well. So, oh, wow. Where's the World yeah. Series going to be played at? Where's the World Series going to be played at? The World Series is going to be played in Arlington, Texas, so Globe Life Stadium is where it will take place. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, interesting baseball season as well. Yeah, very, very condensed, very fast-paced. Uh, playoffs are kind of insane. Normally, you would get two –
to you that the amount of injuries that, and mind you, we're only in week what, week five? Yeah. The amount yeah. of injuries across the league, man. Like Dak Prescott went down. You've got all the Niners injuries. Literally, you can go online on ESPN and look at all of the inactives and the injuries and the people oh. that are completely out. There's just so many names on that list, dude. Do you think them not having preseason or a, a more consistent strength and training program in the offseason yes. is a Yes, I do. Yes. Yes, I do, because I feel like you need you need strong training. You need the proper strength and conditioning. You need to be on a certain how every year how you're your your this is the year to get ready i don't know what's going on with ogans but i, I, I he, he completely went uh he went robocop on us <laughs> uh austin uh, just so i'm not hogging it everything i have a question for you so so this so this year's kind of funky for me like as um as a as a football fan and just in general, how what was it like when you heard the news that Tom Brady is going to be in a uniform other than the Patriots? You know, that was – I honestly it, – it's weird because when you think of the Patriots, and I mean, ever since I was a kid, man, like you think of Brady, right? It's almost um, – it's like synonymous. It's, it's like they're one and the same. But now you have this uh, this weird dynamic where I, hey, I guess – oh, Logan's you back? Maybe. Sounds like you might be. I went, I went through. I went through a drop zone. My bad. All right. All right. Oh no, you're you're good. Go ahead. You're good. Talk about Brady. Go ahead, Austin. Talk about no, Brady. No, Brady. I, I'm just saying. I thought I would have thought honestly that he would have retired and not played. You know, continued to play football. I honestly thought that was going to be. He was going to be like the Jackie Robinson of football and just say, "Oh, we're going to trade you." Nah, I'm I'm good. Peace. But I, I honestly didn't think I, that he would have wanted to go on a high note, go on a team, you know, kind of be associated with that legacy. But, I mean, then on the other hand, why? You know, Brady, he's obviously shown that he still has the talent, right? He still has the capacity to play the game. And, you know, he right? I, he haven't really seen him slow down at all. I mean, he's got how many Super Bowl rings now? So he'll keep the game going. Six. Six. Yeah, see? And, uh, you know, maybe one doesn't count because it was against the Rams and they cheated. But, hey, you know, <laughs> it was the one with Warner where they – anyway. No, um, you know, and that's, that's cool. It's great that, you know, he is still back. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it, honestly? Do you think he's going to be continue to be a player, obviously, you know? He's hard. That's what the problem are heading. He wants to win without Belichick. That's why he's still playing well, that was a rumor, but then I yes. that they were good too. So I don't know. I don't know what's true, you know. Because I, I look, Brady wants to. I think Brady wants to look at it in the sense that, like, okay, I, I can do this without this guy. Mm. And then on the flip side of it, I think the competitive nature of it's about folks. My, minus uh, anything that negative you may perceive about him, the, the cheating, the deflate gate, spy gate, whatever. If you take all of that out, the man just generally loves football. And I think he just wants to be a part of it. 
It was interesting when he became the free agent. I was like, okay, he's probably going to go somewhere not cold, somewhere probably where it's a little bit more warmer. So I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to lie. You know, you start to, you know, to San Francisco. Um, maybe he might do Arizona. Right. So like when I was, when I was putting it in my head, like, okay, like Dak is what we want, but we weren't committing to Dak it financially. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So okay. then I was, so then I was thinking like, okay, is Jerry Jones just going to sit there and say like, okay, there is a guy with six Super Bowl rings. Maybe I can get one more out of him. Let's just play with that scenario. Let's just see what happens. So the fact that hey, Jack didn't I have, have a contract is what? Hold on, I have a question for you. Do you think that's yeah. why? Jer do you think that's why Jerry didn't sign Dak like right away? Do you think maybe he was thinking about Tom Brady? Brady, I think. Oh, okay. um, I, I think he was just trying to make a business move. Uh, when you look at the underlying the underlying things, other than what the media tells you, what I was doing was I was going on overthecap.com and I was looking at what salary, what our payroll looked like, how much we had tied up in the next year. We just didn't have money. We don't have money to sign Dak Prescott for the amount of money that he wants. Now, Jerry Jones was thinking, like, let me get a, a, a little bit of a deal, gotcha. so let me sign him to a longer contract. Let me get five. But Dak was not being greedy in my eyes. I think Dak is being a businessman as well. And you can't knock him for that. You're not going to knock Jerry Jones for being a billionaire. Why are you going to knock, why are you going to knock Dak Prescott for trying to get the most money? He knew that the NFL's uh, TV deal was going to reset in five years. So with that, there's going to be more payroll. There's going to be more cap money for the league. So what he was going to do was play on the four-year contract. But when that time came up, he was going to bet on himself to make more money. He was going to say, give me a longer contract after that. So four years, five years, one-year difference. Jerry Jones, at the end of the day, was just not going to pay the amount of money that Dak Prescott probably wanted after that deal. So I think, I think if Jerry Jones was smart, you still sign him to the four-year deal for the $35, $40 million that he wanted. Is he worth that money? It's kind of hard to say that because is any player worth $300 million? Is any player really worth $400 million? You can say Patrick Mahomes. That's a lot. A Super you say Patrick Mahomes just got a Super Bowl, though. Okay, fine. But then let's look at the Los Angeles um, Angels. Mike Trout, but that man gets paid $300 million. Bryce Harper does, hasn't done shit. He barely hits his weight in baseball. And you're going to pay exactly. him $300 million? Exactly. Not, not worth it. Manny Machado, same thing. He went from the Orioles. He went to us. He was kind of a – after he did the World Series, I was not happy with him. Wow. But then he goes to San Diego Padres because they were going to give him the most money. But even then, you're hitting your weight. You're not hitting above 300, 230. You're still a good hitter. You're a good hitter. You're solid. But is it worth $300 million? Absolutely not. Solid. Yeah, I got you. So, so, so that's where I look at it from Dak Prescott um, in, in that aspect. Uh, and then to bounce back to the idea of Tom Brady, I think it's, it's, uh, it's weird. It's weird when you see somebody in a different uniform. And, and the, I think one of the, the, the big times that it happened to me was when Emmett Smith left the Cowboys and went and played for the Cardinals. For the Cardinals, yeah. So when that happened, I, I had to you guys uh, as diehard of the Cowboys fan as I am um, 
Emmett Smith is like down here for me sometimes. Like I think of Troy Aikman, I think of Emmett Smith, I think of uh, Randy White. You know, I think about the Manster. I think about the Doomsday defense, and then Emmett Smith is there. Why? Because you left. You left. You know, you weren't going to get another ring with the Cardinals. I'm sorry, dude. You just left for the money. That was it. Yeah. You know, can I hate on you for that? Absolutely not. You know, you're chasing your bread. You're... I just can't put you in that same thing, even though you're a part of the triplets. Um, so that happened. And then uh, recently, uh, Tom, uh, not Tom Brady, I'm sorry, Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning left the Colts and then went to the Broncos, that's weird. Cam Newton playing in a Patriots uniform. That's, that's weird. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, um, it's funky. It, it, it matches with the theme of 2020. It's just That, that that's that's pretty much all I can hit on sports, man. That's uh, it, it's just been funky between all sports, you know, basketball, baseball, football, um, which has been absolutely bonkers. Since you brought up Peyton Manning, for whatever reason, I don't. Even though I think it's because maybe you know, I don't know what it is. I, I don't just because the Patriots Brady was really like grinded into that dynasty uh, sort of mind frame. When you see, you think Brady, you think about the Patriots. But uh, for some reason, with me, Peyton Manning, it's not the same, like, to the Colts. Like, I feel like Peyton was his own, like, he stood on his own. And I don't know if that has to do with, like, I get it. I get I get, ex- I get exactly what you're saying. But I think the reason why you feel that way is. Super Bowl. I mean, he's six and three. They were in the Super Bowl almost every year. They were all, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's Belichick Brady. But with, with Peyton Manning. It, I mean, it was like he—he he was the Colts. You could—I mean, he had Tony Dungy and he had other coaches, but he was pretty much the Colts. You know what I mean? But he—he he didn't win that much. He only went to two Super Bowls with them, won one, lost one. So I think that's why you don't—you don't feel the same way. It's different. Okay. Yeah, that. yeah. You know, and I think the reason why I look at you know Peyton Manning that way is I know all those years of him being well. You know, those first couple of years where he was like not very good because he was just a rookie. But then you start seeing those. He was throwing picks like left and right. Ugh. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was just a young guy thrown into a system, um, and, and that's what you don't want to do to a quarterback. You know, a lot, the history of drafting quarterbacks and then throwing them into the the fire right away is not always going to be uh, uh, sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes it's really ugly. You know, Troy Aikman, his first year, he got he got the shit beat out of him. You know, yep. the Eagles just picked on him. The, the the Giants just picked on him. And there's video of Troy Aikman just sitting down, rubbing his hands through his hair like, well, I got picked first for a reason because this team fucking suck. You know, and <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, it's it's the same thing. You know, you look at, at uh, Peyton Manning. You get, you get picked first. You know you're going to a shitty situation. So those first couple of years he sucked, but then he grinded it to be that. had this mentality like i'm gonna do everything i can to pick everything apart and he had so many consecutive playoff runs now did he always win the championship no but that steady presence in the playoffs for me was like dude every we're gonna be in the playoffs here you can bank on it just like you can probably say after a little while you're like patriots early favorites to go to the super bowl again you know they're just they're just gonna hit every single time you know that's what it was for Peyton manning for me so when he left and you know, uh, well, actually, he didn't leave. It was just the end of the end of it. Uh, you know, injury yeah, and whatnot, yeah. contract expiring. And then when he went to Denver, and I saw him suit up for the first time, I was like, "This is freaking weird! Like this, ugh, like don't look right." It, it, 
But, you know, he gets... No, his, for, his, for, me, for, for me, with those two quarterbacks, I've always felt like with Peyton Manning, he's, he, he's good in any hood. Like, he can go to any team and make... Like, just he's, he's just that cerebral. But with, with uh, Tom, I always felt like he needed a certain system to have him thrive. He's a great quarterback. But I just felt like he needed a certain system, and I always felt like Peyton Manning was good in any hood, if that makes sense. No, yeah. No, it makes complete sense because I I, I think about it just being a casual <laughs> fan. But, you know, sometimes you think that, okay, well, Peyton Manning, he's going to go and elevate the, the level of play for everybody. Not saying that Tom Brady's not going to do that, but Tom Brady approach the game were two different ways. Exactly. Tom Brady would go down with his coaches, which I'm pretty sure Peyton did as well. But Peyton already had in his head what tendencies of what players would look at in, in, in certain situations. Like he's like, oh, this linebacker is overly ambitious. I'm going to hit him with pump fakes. Those those safeties are a little bit more tend to bite if I throw to the left side of the exactly. field versus exactly. the right side. Which I'm pretty sure that Tom picked up on that shit too. I'm pretty sure that Tom Brady prepped the same way. But when I look at both of about the way that they talk about football. Tom Brady loves football, but Peyton Manning is football, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Completely agree with you. I've always thought. Fine. Okay. Got it. Uh, can you hear me? Am I coming oh, yeah, down? Yeah, oh, okay. You got it? <laughs> no. Wait, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I'm done. I just wanted to say that I completely agree with you. No, okay. All right. Well, uh, but yeah, so it's um, it's uh, again, just just to touch on it, it's been a um, it's been a mental roller coaster being a fan uh, of any kind of sport in 2020. It's just it, it's very interesting. For sure. You know, I'm thinking uh, this just while we're on the subject of sports. I want to say next uh, Javi Ayala fight, whenever that may be, whenever they can have fights again. I think we all should get together and just do a little thing. I think that'd be fun. You know, I don't know. Okay. I, think, I like I like people. See that that brought nothing to the conversation, so I'm just gonna no anyway. To touch on your point, we can get together. Now, I think when um, I think it would be great, like, if we can just all get together. And it, even if I got to drive and I got to pull you guys away from whatever you guys are doing, we should go catch a game when it's allowed. We should go watch something and just bullshit and have some beers, man, because I miss you guys. Oh, man, even if it was the Visalia. Uh, Rawhide game. Those are so fun. Those are yeah. so fun. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, for sure. We should def yeah, we should definitely do that, though, for sure. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and, I know, I know we were talking the fun stuff, we were sports, but we got to jump in, you know, to the, to the real good stuff. No, we, we got to do get some national news in, though. Um, I mean, so, so Ogans, you, you don't want to talk about AG Bar today? No, you're good? I, hey, man, not today. I'm driving, and it's, I'm cutting in and out. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll, we'll pin that for another day. But we do got to talk about, uh, about the election, right? Because that was, man... Uh, that was something. All right, so so we we did a, a thing on the show, right? We, we, it was our first political poll, and it was actually inspired by uh, Trump and and uh, Biden's comments that they could fist fight each other. I, I thought it was it was interesting. So so we did this poll, right? By the way, sixty percent of you said that uh, in a fight between squirrely Joe Biden and Thumping Trump, a fist fight, sixty percent of you gave that for Trump. 
And I, I got to say to you listeners, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Leo, Leo, like who, who, do you, who do you think will win the fist fight between Biden and Trump? Uh, God dang. Dang. Who okay, do you, you got to hear my, my case, though. Okay, so Biden, hold on, right? Hold okay, go Biden, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. He's skinny. He doesn't got all that weight. I feel like he would just get in there and start, you know, toss him, throw him punch. But the thing is, would those punches connect? Now that's, I don't know. I feel like Trump. I feel like Trump would do some sneaky shit, like like put a finger in your butt or something, like try to throw you <laughs> off your game, grab your balls, like something. Like I feel like he would try to do some sneaky shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something sneaky. I don't know. Or grab he, your balls. <laughs> and while you're distracted, you got a uh, Don Jr. in the background, you know, sneaking up on and tossing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I get. I guess the way that I would look at it, if they were in a fight, I don't think. Uh, Donald Trump just does not look like the kind of person who's probably ever been in, in a fight ever. <laughs> no. I don't think he's ever been in a fight. He's the he's the guy that would go tattletale. No, he would probably be like, you know, I, I'll give you a million dollars. Just don't touch me. Done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> We're friends. But that but but that's how that's how I feel about it. I I. I don't know who would win. Joe Biden looks like his fist would crack if he threw a punch. Exactly. That's exactly. That's true. Okay. Maybe maybe our maybe our listeners are onto something. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I, I think maybe, honestly, maybe, hold on. Maybe you should submit that to the new uh, remake of Celebrity Deathmatch. Hey, now that would be something, right? <laughs> One thing we can say for sure: whoever loses in November, they are going to be on the next season of Dancing with the Stars. So I mean. <laughs> you could kill your husband. You could kill your husband and get on Dancing with the Stars. I think they should. Oh. It's just Carol Baskin and uh, who's the one that killed Kurt or got framed from? Well, anyway, Courtney Love. <laughs> get those two on there. Let's see who could win. Any, but uh, it's because it's just who killed your husband. That's that's the show. Um, but, <laughs> that I, I think I can speak for all of us. So when I say I think a good old fashioned bare knuckle brawl behind the gym, honestly, that would have been more palatable and more productive than the debate that we actually got. Because I mean, it's terrible winners. <laughs> there's no better way. I mean, that it was a shit show. Honestly, there's no better way to say that. There there wasn't any winners. Maybe you could say Chris Wallace came out on top because he was a moderator. He really stuck it. I don't know. But, you know, today, former vice president, his, his, uh, Biden, right, his claims that he could be calm, he has this good temperament. I mean, that was kind of thrown out the window when you saw in the first, I don't know, 10 minutes, I think they had one question where they weren't at each other's throats. But, I, I mean, very quickly, Biden, Trump got under his skin, is what I'm trying to say. And numerous times throughout the debate. So that kind of calm Joe going for, maybe not, you know, we saw in the debate, maybe it just takes a Trump to get under his skin once, you know. But then you also have on the other side of it, yeah, Trump, his ability, he could not stop talking. I mean, even when it was his opponent's turn to speak, even when his opponent was directly asked a question, Trump would talk. And I'm not saying Biden didn't interrupt too, it happened, obviously, but um, I think Trump was a bigger offender in that. And, and not only that, None of the, they didn't really stick to policy so much. The the night, I mean, you had all these personal insults getting thrown around. I, I mean, they did cover some things right, um, but just the inability of either of these guys to just shut up when um, the other is talking is profound. I mean, even you saw that at the beginning, the whole 
Uh, man, I mean, I think that was the most viral part of the debate, probably. And I, I think that's how the whole country felt about both of them at that moment. You know, but at, anyway, I, so we had a lot of topics got brought up. Yeah, health care came up, Obamacare, how the future of that. How are we going to handle the Supreme Court vacancies uh, in an election year? Voting in a pandemic, uh, white supremacy, all that came up. And not only that, but how much smarter the other one is than than one of them, right? They had they gotten this whole "I'm smarter than you" thing. It was it was honestly pathetic. I mean, I have literally had two, my two little children. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I've literally I've seen more intellectual discussions from that little opening part of WWE before they fight, where they're talking, <laughs> about and that's more that was more intellectual than we got out of the debate. It's sad, <laughs> no, honestly. <laughs> we should have had the Rock out there. But, um, man, I just want to get your guys' general thoughts on the debate. I mean, am I alone in this? Did it feel that terrible? No. Watch it. Leo, what do you, what do you think? Exciting. Uh, it feels like both of them just like, I'm smarter than you. I'm stronger than you. I can do this and this and this. And it's just, it's like, I mean, the country doesn't win when, 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 you know, the parents feud. So it's very, very terrible. Right. No, I agree with that. Man, Leo, what were your thoughts? Uh, I, I typically don't, don't, divulge I, I don't jump into politics too much but you know when i watched it i just thought like this is exactly where our country is that instead of talking about what you're going to do for the people you're focused on insulting you guys are focusing against de defending each other's character versus taking the stance and like being like okay i'm going to be the bigger man and i'm not going to jump into the uh, so is, is is a reflection of the country when you see like online some of these protests and like you have Trump supporters yelling at the other side and they're going back and forth saying fuck you and all this stuff it's like it's, it's basically what the debate was it's basically a how I feel like to, to exactly touch on what you said it's almost the equivalency of if one if one group of supporting people who supported a particular party went and threw rocks at the other party but now they're starting Yep. Oh, they're attacking us. Okay, no, that that's it's bullshit, and that's exactly what this felt like. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it just wasn't, um, it did not hold up to previous debates. I mean, even, uh, I feel like in 2016, yeah, I, I did not agree with Trump. That's not a secret. I mean, I'm not going to uh, shy away from that fact. But it seemed like in 2016, he actually had some kind of message, you know, that the, the government, the federal government is terrible, it's become a swamp, and I'm the only one that can save you from the swamp, right? And this debate, it didn't even seem like he had any message. It was just, you know, what kind of tag can I get on Biden? Biden the same way, what kind of tags can I get on Trump? How can I show? It was basically a contest of how can I show that the other guy is more unfit to be president? And that's like, that's I don't think anyone necessarily benefits from that type of dialogue uh you know obviously now they're saying there might not be a second debate because uh, uh trump administration does not want to do the uh virtual debates and we goddamn we try to do a podcast who could blame them i wouldn't want to do a debate like this either but um no it's just one of those things um it did not i don't think this is what america is about i mean you go back and you look at uh kennedy and nixon i sometimes i i'm in I watch those things on YouTube, you know, to kind of get a different time frame. And man, these guys, yeah, they would they would uh, disagree. I mean, they would wholeheartedly disagree with each other. 
but they would remain calm. Not only that, they swayed away from insults. I mean, Kennedy, he got insulted by the moderator. They were saying, well, like, you're too young, you're a Catholic, what are you doing, this and that. He stayed calm. I mean, even the moderator attacking him, he, he stayed calm. He kept on temperament. And I think that's something that I definitely miss about American politics. Not only that was um, the fact that we used to actually work together. We used to have elections, but then at the end of the day, when we were stuck with uh, who was in power, we went to work. You didn't have a scenario where Mitch McConnell isn't going to fill Obama's seat because Obama's a Democrat or the Democrats aren't going to fill Trump's seat because he's a Republican. You didn't have anything like that. You had actual debates, you had conversations, and then you had people coming together to work with the best of what they had. And that's not something that we're seeing um, at all lately from America. I don't think in 2016 now. Um, we just have not, we've been so divided. Uh, we are so quick to blame the other side for everything. When I think we should be trying to come out with some solutions because at the end of the day, Biden gets elected. That's great. Odds are, I mean, you know, they're talking all this blue wave stuff, maybe, but Republicans are probably going to have the Senate still and Democrats are going to have the Congress. So you're going to have to work your party. Yeah. But you're going to also have to find a way to work with the Republicans or you're going to have the same thing that we've been since the Obama years, which is where Congress literally argues all year. They don't get anything passed. And then if they do, it's a pay raise for themselves. But, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. We're not having that bipartisanship anymore. And I think that we should try to look at things as objectively as we can. Not only that, it's just what's good for America as a whole, not necessarily what's good for my party. And I don't think, based on that debate, either of them is what's good for America. But I think at this moment, it's like, yeah, this is what we've got. So you kind of base it off of the lesser of two evils. Man, we've got to get away I actually, I have, I have a question. I, I have a question. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I have a question for you in regards to that aspect about what you just said. Oh. My question is, my question is, wh where, where did we get away from that then? Where did we get away from the bipartisanship? Where did we get away from the fact that this party and this party, regardless of who's representing them to run the country, when did we get away from, okay, yeah, he's from the other party, but we need to work with him. You know, I, from what I've gathered, I mean, from watching, like, Good question. reading history, you know, I really honestly believe that the turning point was uh, probably going to have to be uh, the last leg of the Clinton years. I think that's when things kind of heated up again. I mean, I was, because, about, I was about to say, around the 2000 election, I think that's when it, that, for me personally, I think that's when it kind of got away from it. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, definitely. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, Newt Gingrich, he was saying some things about Clinton back in the day. It wasn't like they were all buddy-buddy all the time, but they also would get work done. I mean, Clinton in, uh, had a whole Republican Congress for the last of his term. That did not stop him from balancing the budget. That did not stop him from having a surplus. By the time he left office, we actually had the government taking in more money than it was putting out. That rarely happens anymore. But they got the job done, even being in different parties. So I, to answer your question, I would definitely say probably the 90s is when we saw that shift. Um, but then 2001, we had 9-11, right? The whole country was together for that short amount of time. But then, you know, it just happened again. We got so used to this these insults. We got so used to just wanting to see from our solution. It, it didn't become a matter of disagreement. It became a matter of good versus evil. And I think that's when we lost it. I think it's, it's when 
you know, the Republicans start saying, oh, the Democrats are just baby killers, or when the Democrats are like, oh, Republicans just hate gay people, they, they hate poor people, all this. I think that's when we started to see that divide. And again, you can have different yes. opinions. You could get, you have the whole, your party runs all of the government, sure, maybe that's what the American people want. Get stuff done, fine. Do your agenda. But if it's yeah. government, then that's what the American people voted for. And that's what we should be getting is good yeah. ideas. Now, when Republicans and Democrats don't always come, when they come together, it's not always good. I mean, don't get me wrong. We had the the crime bill, the 94 crime bill. We had all this stuff happening in the 90s. It was terrible, right? Um, but we, we also got work. I mean, we did at the end of the day, that's, that's a lot better than nothing than staring at all these problems and blaming the other side. So I, I would say the 90s I, I, work. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I, I would, I would say. I, I guess that that just leads to another question for me is, and this is politics a little bit more than what I do, and you, you guys read into it. And honestly, um, and I'm not saying this because I'm your guys' friend. I'm not saying this because I, I watch the podcast. But you guys actually allow me to stay more in tune with my my, my politics because uh, what I see on TV is just what they want to feed me. And when I get it from you guys, it's, it's a different source. You know, it's an, it's another opinion. It's local opinion. It, it's your neighbors. And that's where I feel like, you know, uh, it, it bridges the gap between what I hear and what I can hear <laughs> the local word on the street, I guess, right? So uh, I guess my next question is when, when we get, and it's because of what you said, when we get to the part where we have to elect the best of two evils, why, do, why does it have to be like that? Why does it have to be that, um, okay, I get that the people selected this person to be their nominee and the people selected this person and that this person is actually the current Senate president. So now they got to go against each other. But I feel like presidential nominations are always going to be, well, I'm just going to vote for the less of two evils. Why does it have to be like that? Why, why can't it be to the point where it was like, um, and I'm not going to say like, because I wasn't around back then, but we got people who were revered, such as George Washington, you know, John Quincy Adams, you know, you've got, you know, I, I'm going to say Andrew Jackson. And the only reason why I'm going to say him is because he's the only sitting president that ever got rid of the national debt uh, to like zero. So I can put him on there, but then you can sit there and say, well, that guy was in charge of westward, westward expansion. And then Polk was his protege. And then Polk came in. Oh, and trail got of tears. Yep, exactly. So then that, that's not, but what I'm saying is we go from people, and thinking to build big and great for the people that live in that land to now it's like you got two people that are just bickering two people who have ideas about what their views are that are going to make this country better but that for you is that better for your party or is that better for everyone like where did we get away from picking the the person who's going to lead us into the future versus picking the worst of two evil or the best of two evils yeah, I mean, I, you know, you know, I remember back in a time when you didn't even talk about your political, like who you were gonna vote for. You kept it a secret. <laughs> Shit, when I was growing up, and now it's like everybody just is. Yeah, not open, right? It has a lot to do with. I think it has a lot to do with. I think it has a lot to do with more social media, with more uh, uh, uh being able to get more news and information out out there. You know what I mean? I think it has a lot to do with a lot of that. You know, it's why the reason why you know. 
we got we're gotten away from uh you know correct politics or whatever you want to call it but we got into more bickering and more my side's better than your side it's a lot more you know open with that yeah, no, I mean, and definitely that's true when you go on social media and I'm, I'm gonna, guys, I'm gonna have to, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to uh, 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 back out. Uh, I got a, I got another call. Okay. You're good. Okay, okay man. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you yeah. later, Leo. All right, buddy. Bye. You take All care. Right. Right, peace. Yeah. No, I, and I, I think that to some degree, I, I'm guilty of it too, right? Social media. It's easy. You just see all this uh, this stuff that um, it, it comes up, right? And it's like, oh, this is what you should like. It's specifically made for you. It's exactly what you want to hear. It may not yeah. be complete truth or it may not be like the whole picture of the truth, but it is what you want to hear. And it's easy to fall into that trap when you see, uh, you know, something, oh, this is a racist quote. Okay, I'm going to call out racist. And then it's very easy to not just attack that person, but attack their party attack who they stand for attack yeah it's, it's easy to make those conclusions and i think um yeah i think it is good that we do talk about politics more but i think we need to talk stop talking so much about our parties and talk more about platforms about what we want to accomplish because if you look at ideas oddly enough even in the south the republican south you have ideas like medicare for all that are like 90 percent supported yeah, it's not. It's just the branding that it's coming from the Democrat that's bad. But if a Republican governor put it out, it would be fine. Yeah. So it's we've gotten so partisan, like I know we've gotten to a point where me, as a Democrat, I can't really say as much that I, you know, oh, if you say I support the Second Amendment or this and that, or they'll try to say that you don't support it because you're a Democrat. You know, from the left, you have people saying, oh, if you support and you want children dead in schools and it's like no that's not the case you know right it's just of course are dealing with outlier opinions very well anymore and i i we got to find a way to weave it all together i mean we we have these great ideas the internet age we have all this technology all this these facts at our disposal so that's great we use that we use the ability to spread our ideas our opinions but we have to be able to distinguish between the two idea and opinion that's something we're not doing very well anymore. We see anything we don't, you know, pops up on social media. Ah, must be true. I'm going to reshare it. And by the time, you know, it's like Bill Gates is making a Holocaust camp or something. And a thousand people have seen that. It's not even true before Facebook takes it off. And then if Facebook, takes it off, oh, they did that because it's the true information. So, you know, it's, it's just it's getting crazy to the point where we have to just find a way to bridge that gap, to bring in some dialogue and, I don't know what it'll take. Honestly, I don't. I would hate to say we take another terrorist attack. I would hate to say it's going to take another war because I think, yeah, obviously it shouldn't have to come to that before we agree. I think what really will happen though is if we do see whoever gets elected next term, whether it be my guy or whoever's guy. I think if we continue to see this pattern where Congress and the president don't work together, where nothing gets done, people are going to eventually get fed up. And I'm not saying the two-party system is going to crumble, but I think that people that want to work together are going to be kind of pushed more into the way of the party leadership, whereas other people that don't want to get anything done off of principle will kind of be, you know, more so, I guess, like dinosaurs, I guess, kind of tossed out. I that's the case you know that's just man i, I don't know though it, it is tough in seeing that debate i think you're 100 leo that was exactly um 
what America is right now. And I almost think that's what we deserve yeah. what we see before we really get the point hammered home that something's got to change. Yeah, honestly, and, you know, I'm a veteran, and, you know, I think you know, and everybody who knows me knows that I love my country, absolutely, 100%. But things, people act, and I see the way that people treat each other, or I see the way that people um, jump down somebody else's throat just for having an opinion. But then two seconds later, somebody's jumping down their so did that person you just jumped down their throat so sometimes when i hear people get so discombobulated with their thoughts with the things that they say i think we're a bunch of spoiled brats sometimes i think the second amendment uh or the first amendment with your freedom of speech i think that is amazing it's amazing to have that 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 you can have an opinion that you can say what you want and not get in trouble for it you know per se but at the same time, you got to realize that just because you have that doesn't mean it gives you the excuse to go be an asshole. doesn't mean that you get the, the right to go be a dick to somebody, you know, or, you know, punish somebody for having an idea or punish somebody for having a, 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 a thought that doesn't necessarily in line with you. You know, it goes back to the simple principles that we're taught as kids. If you don't have nothing nice to say, then don't say it. Yeah. And no. of, course that, of course, that's not going to happen in politics. And, and I totally understand that. But we as people... We need to treat each other better. Um, and I think that that starts from the top down, and that comes from the military. That comes from me, you know, being raised by my parents. You know, you see the way that these people act up here, so then you take it upon yourself to go act the same way because that's what you're used to. That's what you're surrounded by. That's what you're raised by. So you can tell a lot about a person that just goes and snaps off at the mouth versus that person who's going to stay quiet in the corner and is just observing and taking in all the information. It's ugly, at, it's, it's ugly at times, and I think that, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to see it, but, you know, in reference to what you said, the, the two-party thing is going to get old. And really often, that oh, well, the people just need to take back what's theirs. And I, I think that's true. You know, it says, of the people, by the people, for the people. Does it not? Mm -hmm. So... then the people need to take it back, period. And, oh, well, that's um, domestic terrorism is what they'll call it now. Mm -hmm. But by our history books, that's called a revolutionary, is it not? Yeah. If you see something that's not going your way and it's built for you and it's not what you want, you have the right to take it back. And I think, unfortunately, hopefully it doesn't come to war. Hopefully it doesn't have anything to do with civil war or domestic um, or terrorism attacks or anything because we know that war isn't going to solve anything. But before it gets to the point where the people start getting to the point where they realize that those people should be working for them, I, I think it would get ugly very quick. And that's not what you want, of course. But at the same time, it's like this country is just falling apart so fast sometimes uh, at, at times that you just see like, I to the point, Austin. Honestly, I don't. I don't want to watch TV. I don't. I don't. I haven't watched the news in about a year. You know, everything that I get from what I know is I see it on social media or I hear it from you guys, and that's about it, man. Just because every time you turn it on, it's just negative. 
It's this person, that person, he say, she say. When was the last time you turned on the news and you're like, hey, local hero um, opens up bakery and, and gives out free donuts to kids that have 4.0 grade averages? When was the last I heard about a local bar uh, on Saturdays on his days off and gives haircuts to the homeless? You don't hear about stories like that. You, I have to watch TikTok for it. Too positive. Yeah, it doesn't sell. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the unfortunate thing. We Negative and ugly sells more than positive. Yeah. So uh, until I think we can get away from that, until we can clean up our own act uh, and become a better neighbor and become better people, uh, we're just going to keep living in shit. And until we pull ourselves out of it, you know, they're not going to do it. You know, the, the people who are going to run this country, the people who are going to make the decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> here. And if we can start doing it without them, okay. do we need them? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Then it's anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anarchy. Full circle to the punk side. That's, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I just want to see it get better from, from a human being aspect. I just want to see it get better. I think... Uh, I think this year was enough for me to be like, holy crap, because we've never seen anything like this. We've never yeah. seen uh, I, I, you, you see it in movies, right? And our movie became a reality. And you hear about it from your great-grandparents, maybe, you know, Spanish. Right, you know, right. Like, oh, we, you know, it, we couldn't go in. We had potatoes and dirt for breakfast, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, no, uh, we're, we're too far of the first world and we we fought so hard to have what we have today we're just gonna end up pissing it all away if i'm not mistaken i could be terribly wrong but i think abraham lincoln or george washington said that no country will ever defeat america america if it were to lose or or uh crumble it would be because of itself and i think unless we turn it around we're getting pretty damn close that's just the way that I feel. I think one of the I could be totally wrong, and I could. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think one of the most telling things for me personally too was seeing, like you're saying, seeing this movie that we're living in right now, and realizing, holy crap, they're still fighting over nothing. They're still not wanting to work together. I mean, we got one relief bill passed. What? That's wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were able to go on their vacations just fine. They were able to do everything that they wanted. So it's like, no, that's not what America is about. It's not supposed to be this double standard, this class society, you know. There's no elites in America, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's where we're at. So, I mean, on that note, let's, let's talk about cannabis, right? <laughs> but, uh, okay, getting back away from <laughs> national stuff, uh, we, and I, we actually had a pretty good conversation. I think it was Measure I or Measure... Last election cycle, we we talked about a uh, school bond, and uh, it was pretty awesome. What was that? Mm-hmm. I don't. Anyway, it was it was a pretty cool. I, I, good topic. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Measure L, dude. Mm-hmm. Yep, Measure L. Yep, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now that was cool because I I got to hear Leo's perspectives, and they are very interesting. But so this is another tax one. So <laughs> I wanted to get your thoughts on this one too. Oh boy. Ballot measure R, right? And this is known as the cannabis business tax. Now, this does not legalize cannabis for Porterville. What it would do, though, Porterville has already made that decision, the city council, last year to allow these shops 
the only question that this is asking is if the city can put its own tax in addition to the state tax so Porterville can also take in some revenue as well um, now as written this law would approve uh, would place an additional tax on cannabis um, that would uh, so if the building is above 25 what is that? square feet for whatever amount of square footage they would have to pay an additional tax and then also a percentage tax of five percent off of their total revenue is what the city of porterville would be getting back so uh, i mean and then there is something to be said about about doing it this way about having an additional tax now maybe some of the bigger cities if we took la's data or you know it would not really match up with porterville as much but if you look at a small town the city of woodlake it was one of the first, uh, actually the first, uh, in not only in Tulare County to sell recreational pot, they were the first in the entire Central Valley, uh, Valley Pier there. And in their first year alone, Woodlake took in, well, 229,000, uh, wait, yeah, yeah, in taxes, just in the first year. They, that's what they were able to get off of their percentage. I think theirs might be 10%, if I remember. And then this year they made, uh, Four hundred thousand, just in a year. So, and there—that was not even what they made total. That's percentage the city took back. Uh, so, you know, obviously they're probably making millions. Um, yeah. So, and these funds also open up towns to new projects. We talked about that with uh, Fre uh, Farmersville City Council Member Greg Gomez. He was saying that a lot of projects around um, getting buildings, getting programs for the homeless—that was all coming out of this new funds. That they were getting from theirs, their pot uh, fund, and uh, you know, in Porterville, a lot of people have said the same thing. Let's support it. Then one of those projects they were talking about is maybe rebuilding the library using some of that extra money. Though the library, obviously, that burnt down earlier this year, um, and these funds are limited. Uh, the same way that state and federal funding is it's, uh, has been used for road projects, business programs, and. Uh, is all intensive purposes it's just extra cash that the city gets to use at its discretion so i mean where do you stand on this one if they're if they're gonna have it anyway right should they also make some money off of it porterville <clears throat> uh shoot so okay let me just get this straight so the way that it's written and the way that it's proposed is that if that when they get that tax money It used the verbiage rebuild our library? No, that's the kicker. No, the people that are that support this bill, they are saying that that's what it could be used for. But there's, I read the measure, there's nothing in it that says specifically this will go to the library. So that's what I'm yes. saying. So it's, it's used a lot of times for just random projects that the federal or state funding won't cover, or, you know, Porterville, we don't very much local taxes we don't have a lot so this would be a way to i guess bring in income yeah i i guess again what it's going to come back to is the fact that how many times has this city charged us tax and they say that we're going to get better roads that they're going to improve this that they're going to improve that <laughs> i'm 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 still waiting for the pothole right down the street to get filled and i can't tell you how many road crews work just down here all this all the dang time and they're out here when the lights go out, so they still haven't fixed it. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. Like, I guess 
you know, and, and taking in consideration what you said earlier. Well, don't tell them your plan. Don't tell them this. Don't tell. You're just going to tell me that you're going to use it for city pro projects. Yeah. It's going to turn into, you know, I'm totally exaggerating, but those, those city projects are going to turn into, let's uh, get this DA building completely built and let's build a new courthouse. And it's like, for what? For what? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I got you. It's it's one hundred. That that's a tough one because right? it, it is definitely. I mean, so that's like one of the plus sides of this is that it, it's not set to where they have to say a certain thing. But that's also a negative because, like you're saying, they could just spend it on the same crap and then lose it anyway. Not necessarily yeah. the town. Yeah, exactly. So that that's I, I that's where I, if it was verbiage to rebuild the library, one hundred percent, I'd support it. One hundred percent. But if you're just going to tax somebody based off of the square footage of their building, not necessarily their net or, or, or not necessarily their gross income, right? You're basing it off the square footage and then you can tax them an outrageous amount. Absolutely not. If you're just going to take that money, hoard it and sit on it and not have any of that money benefit the people. Or if they said, hey, we're going to use this to as a fund to support small businesses to actually let like let the the city grow in contrast yeah. to the people that are running that say that they want to bring back that small town field to Porterville. If this was in conjunction with that, absolutely. I support it. But if you're just going to take that money, you're not going to tell me what you're going to do with it. You're going to keep the mouth shut and you're just going to sit on it. Sorry. I, I cannot support that. You're not going to take away somebody's, somebody's livelihood who wanted to open a small business. Now, yes, it is cannabis, but some people need it. You know, some people need to go use it to sleep. Some people need to use it for any kind of sickness that they have or for whatever the case may be, right? But that is a small business. Now you're taxing them an outrageous amount. Yes, they earned a million dollars. But why can't that person feel like a millionaire after? <laughs> but then when they get taxed, now it's like, I'm sorry, you're, you're only a thousandaire now. You're not a millionaire anymore. You know, what's wrong with success? They, they see it as an opportunity. Like, oh my gosh, there's something else that we can tax, that we can make money off of and not doing passive income. That they, they, they want passive income. And it's, it's not fair unless it's actually going to help the people. That, that's the way that I feel. Oh, no, I definitely agree. That's, that's crazy. I was thinking at the beginning of this that that was the strong point is that you can be used for anything. But now you kind of made me a skeptic too. Like, oh man, it could be used for anything. That's the thing. You might not actually go to what we want to go to. Huh. So maybe Austin, that, that money that they raise may go to the, the demolition of the old uh the old courthouse. You know, that that's and they can use it for that because they didn't specify as to what they can use it for. That's true. But I do like that idea of businesses, because uh, I mean it is expensive to start to do a startup. I mean it's it's not easy and you know, they have all these candidates saying they want to bring in more people, they want to bring in more businesses, more jobs. That's great. Here's the way to do it. We cover your startup fees with pot money. That's yeah, exactly. Now you're giving it back to the community. You're at least giving them an opportunity to open a business. You know what I mean? And you know, if people like me, I'm one of those people that I watch movies and I look at other people's main streets, and it's just so freaking cool. Like just to walk down that street and. Our Main Street hasn't got an update. Well, let me take that back. We got a DA building on Main Street. So it's not filled. <laughs> there's that, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so like if that money went to improving the way that Main Street looked and getting it like parade ready like all the time and having it always done up and having like little festivals 
more often than the three or four times a year that we do it, yeah. then, dude, by all means, do it. But it's like, I feel like when the city wants to just charge tax and they don't want to tell you what it's for, they're just going to sit on it and they're going to use it for something stupid. And it's like, shoot, if you really want that building tore down or if you really want that to be done, then go get it contracted to get done. I'm pretty sure that somebody will go get it done. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That, that made me think of it from a whole new perspective. Actually. So, yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, man, now, is it over there? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it really depends on how the money gets spent. If we can really call that a success. So, if, yeah, it's, if it's gonna if, if it's gonna help the people, yes. If it's for them just to use it for whatever they want, no. There we go. No, I mean, and I I completely agree. Honestly, it's, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a tough one. On the other hand, it would give us a lot of money, but again, if they don't use it for the right purposes. It's like having it's like having a savings account, but just never being able to touch it. It's like, yeah. hey, I have all this money, but what am I going to use it for? And who <laughs> knows? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No, that's a scary thought. Actually. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, um, and so uh, it's been a good, pretty good show today, Leo. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate having you all the time. Um, no, man, thank thank you so much for for giving me the opportunity to come do this. You know, we haven't done the Blue Fifty Two podcast in a while, so. Just to be able to talk sports today, very yeah. refreshing. Yeah, it was good to hear some sports, honestly, man. Sometimes it's, it's a little easy to get caught up in everything that's going on on the news, right? the news. And so it's hard to, you know, you got to think about all this great stuff that's happening around us, too. And, uh, yeah. man, yep. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll leave you with this one right here. We'll give you the last part, as always, a timeless tradition on the button. Anything you want to throw out there before we take off? Um, let's, let's just practice being better people. Let's, uh, let's, um, be better neighbors, be better friends, be, uh, better family members and, uh, go out and vote. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's let's go out and vote. Make sure you guys vote. Yep. All right. As always, Leo, it's been a pleasure talking to you, my man. And uh, absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. All right, so signing off, Porterville. I'm Austin Slater, and this has been the Putnam Beats. Mm-hmm.